Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Welcome back to Missionary Roundtable, the podcast all about the Great Commission and international missions. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm a pastor and missionary. I'll be your host today. And thank you guys for joining us this summer as we are in season two of this podcast, just chatting with missionaries and pastors all around the world about the Great Commission and how we can better position ourselves and how we can better strategize to reach the nation's for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you guys for joining us today. We have another guest who I'm very excited to have on. Um, this might be the first guest this season that I'm actually in the same time zone as. Um, and so we have Arion Vogley, uh, who is a pastor. And in my opinion, uh, we'll let him say what he wants to say in just a minute. In my opinion, a Bible scholar, a veritable Bible scholar, uh, he is actually... Jeff Bartell's brother-in-law and Jeff's wife, uh, Erla's brother. And he's an Albanian national as well as a citizen of both Albania and uh, the USA. Spent many years in the USA with uh, college and work. And uh, he's currently sitting in Albania recording this, but uh, I believe he's coming back to the USA in a matter of time. I'll, we will get to that eventually. But Arion, uh, I don't know, did I summarize enough there to introduce you? Thank you, Kale. Uh, yeah, it was, it was more more than I expected. So <laughs> that's that's good. Thank you. Absolutely. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you for being on, man. I appreciate it. I wanted to say at the beginning that you were Jeff's brother-in-law because I feel like you know the handful of podcasts you've done with Jeff, it never gets said. He's just like, hey, this is Arion. He's a guy from Albania. And then it's well, like, first of all, don't hold it against me. <laughs> Secondly, no, he has mentioned that. He has. Has he mentioned? That. Okay, maybe yeah, after yeah, prompting. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And so you are in Albania right now. So we're we're both on Central European time zone. Um, how's yeah. your family doing? How are you guys doing right now? Yeah, we're doing great. We're expecting the end of the year school year for the kids, so they're okay. Yeah, they're excited. <laughs> And you were just um, in America uh, at First Baptist uh, Missions Conference not that long ago in the spring, in March, maybe? Yeah, it was in March, yeah. Okay, awesome. Did you have a good time then? I I, I mean, it was weird for me because I was in Europe and you were in America, so I, I didn't get to see you guys that time, but uh, I trust yes. you guys had a good time. Yes, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, we have a very good relationship with uh, the church. We've been there and visited long time ago i remember you as a as a teenager when i was first there wow and really yeah wow that is a long uh, time ago <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so it, it's always good going back you know march yeah. is always kind of iffy about the weather but it was great weather this time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, was, it was it was good you yeah, are right I, I got married in march um 2012 and it was like 70 degrees well, Fahrenheit, I should say it was uh, about right. 20 or 21 degrees Celsius. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was beautiful and the sun was shining and the flowers were blooming. But then awesome. other years, it'll be snowing and very right. cold <laughs> in March. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Ohio is a it's a wild card month for sure in March. But yeah, we did. Uh, I mean, I tuned in. I listened to your teaching. Uh, it's always great to listen to your own. That's why I was so excited when you had the, the opportunity to talk with us for an hour. 
Um, I, I love just hearing you tell stories and, and preaching the word. So um, I really appreciate it. I'm excited for this. Thank you. Thank you. Same here. Now, something that I'd, I'd like to start off the show with is just uh, letting, just finding out more about your story and letting the audience uh, know more about who you are. Um, so you grew up in Albania, which if I'm just going to be honest, when Jeff first came to our church, I, I had never even heard of, of that country. I, now, I mean, Americans are, you know, we're terrible at world geography. So admittedly, but I had right, never even right. heard of Albania. I was like, I don't, is that in Africa? I have no idea where that is. Right. At. And so I've yeah. learned more about, and I've since been there twice. Um, but Albania, although a small country was, uh, um, kind of famous or infamous, you could say about their, their level of communism, uh, back before communism fell in the nineties, would you mind just kind of telling what was it like growing up in a heavily, heavily communist occupied country as, as a kid and a young adult? Okay, sure. Um, so after world war two, Albania sided with the Eastern Bloc. Uh, so they sided with communism, a communist regime was, uh, established in the country. What was unique about uh, Albania's form of communism is that the, the dictator took literally all the, the, the teachings of, of communism, took them literally and, and tried to apply them as best as he could to the T, as far as you know, doctrinal, which means that uh, it was devastating for, for the country. Like he wouldn't uh, trade with any country that was not communist. So you know, in the 60s, he hooked up with, with uh, China and uh, got mad at them because they weren't communist enough. So he <laughs> threw them out of the country and then hooked up with Russia early 70s, and they too were not communist enough for him. Wow. So he cut ties with, with them. So the, 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 you can understand the degree to which uh, Albania was isolated. Uh, it, was, it was really, uh, as, as a kid, it was, uh, we were sheltered and isolated, so we didn't know any better. Uh, of course, propaganda was, was in every facet of life, from kindergarten, as soon as you could understand, basically, and all the way through. So, you know, I grew up very isolated. We didn't have access to foreign television or, or radio or anything like that. So, you know, there was scramble the waves. And so we had four hours of television, programming television a day, most of which was propaganda anyway. <laughs> there was only one TV channel, the state TV channel, uh -huh. and uh, four hours of, of TV a day from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. That was it. And wow. most of that was just communist propaganda. So I, I grew up as an atheist, um, not believing in God. They, they did away with uh, anything that had to do with faith. So they, they destroyed churches and uh, religious books of, of any kind and did not allow uh, freedom of faith and was the first country and to my knowledge the only country in the world to constitutionalize atheism. So number two, the, the, the number two point in our constitution was Albania is an atheist country. The first one is wow. we're a republic and the second is we're an atheist country. So this of course had uh, its uh, consequences. Um, as a kid, of course, I wasn't aware of the nuances of, of politics and freedom and dictatorship and, and all of that. So, you know, dictatorships have, have this uh, effect that comes from the government uh, basically controlling every facet of your life that 
there's low crime because they, they know everything. You can't <laughs> escape, you know, who did this? There, there was no, who did this? You know, right. they would find out in a heartbeat. And so, you know, as, as a kid, we had a quote unquote happy childhood because we were sheltered from all the bad things or, or the, the gross sins of the world, if, if, if you will. It was a very, very sheltered uh, childhood. But of course, I was very much brainwashed into atheism, believed everything that we're told about, you know, we're building socialism and, you know, this is going to take forever, but, you know, we're doing the right steps and America and, and uh, Russia are the two big devils, you know, in, in the world and this and that. So I, I grew up as, as a kid believing all of that. I think I was around 15 when uh, communism fell and just try and make sense of, you know, everything that ha had happened. My, my, my parents never talked about politics. Uh, if, it, if, if they did, they would, never, they would talk to each other. So I, I never heard my parents complain about the regime. Uh, it, was, it was so devastating that, you, you know, any, anything you, you could say could be interpreted as a political statement. For instance, mm -hmm. people would go to jail for saying, uh, well, there's no potatoes today to, you know, to buy because, you know, there, there was shortage of food, you know, from like 85 to 91, we were in rations. And so it was very, very little food. And so if you complain that, hey, there's no food to buy today, that could be interpreted as a political statement where you're saying you're not happy with what the party is, do is doing for you. So people have had gone to jail in concentration camps for saying things that had nothing to do with politics, but you know, they were, they, you know, people were eager, people that worked for the government were eager to find, mm. uh, you know, people that, that uh, were, not, were not happy with the regime. So, so everything it, was about- It was literally Orwellian. I mean, from, I mean, what you're telling me, I mean, I've read the book 1984 and I mean, that's- Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it, absolutely. it sounds like it, it's not very far, it doesn't sound very fictitious when you're describing this. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there were, were people that understood what was going on, but you know, the, the ones that spoke up in the beginning, they ended up in jail. So people soon realized that this was not a matter of joke. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't speak about it. So pe even at home, people were very careful not to talk about things because you know, kids would go out and, and oh, say wow. stuff. So even then, you know- Pre-internet, yeah, yeah, you could still get tattled on right wow. right so yeah that's that's uh, in a nutshell how it was why is in your opinion because i, I mean it, it seems crazy to me that just a, a few decades after communism starts falling in most of the world um that, that there seems to be a resurgence or a neo <laughs> communism you know crowd out there why is atheism so vital to communism because because it, it it fits it fits the 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 doctrine of we're evolving we're getting better uh, we're going evolving as as human species we're evolving in our our political systems and so you need to have full trust in in us you you cannot fool someone who has an absolute authority that is not the mm -hmm. government <laughs> so it deifies so the it, government it, or the, the yeah, whoever's absolutely. in control and authority. Absolutely. 
Wow. And they they want wow. full control. That's that's the the, the bottom line is they want full control, and they cannot control a population that has the scriptures. Hmm. Wow, that that's incredible. So when when communism fell, which I I believe like Hungary was right around ninety ninety one something like that. It was ninety one? Yeah, Albania was the last one to fall. So okay, Hungary would have been a year before I think. Okay, something like that. Um, so, so what did, what did that look like just on a practical level? I, like, I know that, you know, you've said politically and economically, it was just, there was like rise of Ponzi schemes because everybody was trying to get ahead. But what did that just look like in the everyday life of a a teenager living, you know, okay, I spent the first 15 years of my life being told all this, it falls. What's going through your head? I mean, on a day to day level. Well, we, we were hit with the reality of uh, economic hardships, even worse than what it was under communism, because all of a sudden the government declares we're not communist anymore. So a new government comes in. They say, hey, we're a free market economy now, so go out and get a job. We, we can't uh, give you a job anymore. So most people lost their jobs. My parents lost, mm-hmm. lost their job. So all of a sudden you have a country going to but of course, there is there is no infrastructure for you to do anything. There's no banks. What what do I do? I we'll start a business. How do I start a business? Get a loan. Where <laughs> there, there is nothing to, wow. to help people. So most most well not most but a, a large majority of Albanians left the country. It was a big wave of of immigration, mostly in Italy and in Greece, and that's how people survived the first couple a few years. Uh, just people bringing in money from from the outside until there was, you know, opportunities for people to start a small business. So the first, the first years after communism were were even harder economically. And Mm. uh, there was literally no food in in, in the country. And so very, you know, as a kid, of course, I couldn't process everything was happening. So it was very frightening, the whole idea, because communism gives you a sense of security. Because they say we take care of everything, you don't have to worry about getting a job. They they don't allow private property, so they have to give you a job. Mm. Of course, it doesn't pay anything, but at least they give they give you the sense of security that hey, we're we're here. So once that is removed, now you're left with what we, you don't know how that functions. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know older people may have remembered how it was before communism, but communism was here for forty five years. Wow. So there wasn't much of a memory of what what how does a fun- society function without the government taking care of us so it was it was very very difficult very confusing uh, panicking uh, because you, you know mo- most people lost their lost their jobs and what do they do now and how do they find themselves in a in a new economy so it was very very rough and, and confusing time to make sense of what was happening hmm. yeah I, I can imagine that and th- and then since atheism was the state religion, so to speak, um, when when communism falls, there's you know a rush you know, to some degree of missionaries coming into the country. Um, would you mind uh, going into what? I guess your your testimony is what I'm interested in as far as finding Christ and you know missionaries coming into the country, but but also along the lines of. You know, I consider you a, a very, very smart man. I love listening to you, and I really look up to you, uh, even intellectually, Arion. And so what was your journey like intellectually, considering all you had known previously in an atheistic state, and then when things opened up and missionaries started coming in, 
and then you started learning new things and the gospel was shared. What was that journey like for you? Okay, so I was in the high school, uh, first year high school when uh, communism fell. So in the coming two or three years, I was still in high school, the daily debates in, in school were, were about the changes that were happening. So nobody knew what was, what was happening. So, you know, we would be talking to, to our friends and, of course, just repeating what we had heard at home, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of us you know, were not old enough to have an opinion uh, about what was happening, but just, just what we were hearing at home. So part of the daily routine at school was just debating. And I was very adamant about, no, evolution is right. There is no God. And, you know, believing everything that I was, I was taught as, as, as a child. And at that point, I had a, a couple of friends in school that uh, they had started believing. They, now, the argument was, was there a God? Is there a God or not? We're not talking about... It's just very theological basic. <laughs> very basic. Is there a God? You know, so this was the level of, of, of discussion. So they were, you know, they were challenging me. And I wanted to find a Bible so, so bad just so I could prove that it was wrong. Mm. nobody could get a hold of one. There was no Bibles, you know, communism just destroyed all of them. And so for a year or two, I was just like, man, I I need to find the Bible. I I, want to have an intellectual conversation with my friends and prove to them, not just talk about why why there is no God and and religions, all religions, I didn't care, was not partial to any, but all religions were were wrong, but because they, they, they became Christian, they were in touch with some of the first missionaries that came. So they were talking to me every day. So this was part of the, the discussion every day. So they challenged me to, to this. Okay, if, if there is an eternity, and if what the Bible says is true, I, I know you don't believe that, but if there is, is it worth not studying this and coming to a conclusion on your own? And I said, no, it's not, it's not worth taking the risk. If, if that's true, I didn't believe it was, and I didn't believe I would come to a different conclusion, but I admitted that no, it's not. It's not. It doesn't make sense. If that is true, and there is an eternity, there is no sense to risk the eternity for, for nothing. You know, just for being proud. So it's worth. I'm going to take the time. Yeah, it, it's worth seeking out. So, following the next six months, I just there was no literature in the country, but you know, whatever I could I could gather from different sources, missionaries and and such. I uh, seeked out to to get some some literature on. Uh, evolution versus creation. And so that's where I was first introduced to the other side of the story. And it was very appealing to me to read that it's not a contradiction to believe in creation and to believe in science. Hmm. The science that can be proved, not science falsely so-called yeah. <laughs> for yeah, some of these things, but science that can be demonstrated is not against God. You, you can be scientific and believe in, in creation. There is no contradiction. And I thought there was a contradiction. So that's why it appealed to me, the argument that, no, there is no contradiction. So I took about six months just reading anything I could get my hands on. And that's where, you know, it, it was it was shocking to me what, what I was reading because it was information that I had never heard before. Hmm. And so at that point, I came to the conclusion that there is a creator. There is a creator. It's, it's impossible, scientifically speaking, it's impossible for evolution to be true. We're wow. not here accidentally. There is a creator. Now, and and I, I remember specifically one day going home and praying my first prayer after all these months. And I said, literally, you know, I said, God, I know you don't exist, <laughs> but if you do, 
show me the truth and I will believe it. Wow. And I meant that. I, I was sincere in that. I didn't believe he existed, you know, but I was sincere in the approach that, okay, if 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 you do exist, you know that I don't believe in you, but if you do exist, you know, show me the truth. I, and I didn't care if truth meant to be a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Christian. It, it didn't matter to me. I really didn't know the difference anyway. You were honestly so, just seeking the truth. Yes, I was just... Hmm going after the truth. If there is a, a truth, there is a God, I want to know it. And that was my, my first prayer. And little did I know what God would do <laughs> with that <laughs> with that approach and with that with that prayer. But in the following months, it was it was nothing short of miracles. God just bringing people, bringing information. And that's where I, I, I met Jeff then. This was, this was the summer of nine, 1992. Mm -hmm. So it was right, you know, one year after communism had fallen. And I spent a lot of months just talking to Jeff about salvation and uh, what it meant what it meant to be saved. I just couldn't understand the part of uh, uh, your works not counting mm. towards salvation. I was like, why doesn't God accept some of my works? I, you know, I've, I've, I've been a good person, you know, with morally speaking, with the, the world uh, standards and, and all of that. So why, why wouldn't God take this? You know, why didn't he accept part of my works anyway? So, you know, it took a few months, you know, just to go over the scriptures. Jeff was very patient with me. And, you know, we will sit down almost every day wow. and he would just say, well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Every, everything, the thing that impressed me the most was every question I, I had, he would say, well, let's see what the Bible says about this. And he would turn into a certain passage and he, he would show me and just made such an impression on me. I mean, I thought, I thought this guy knows the, the Bible by heart. There is nothing he, he doesn't know. <laughs> and granted, my questions was very simple, very basic, you know, at that, at that stage in life. Uh, but it, it made an impression on me that somebody, you know, could know the Bible mm. and could find the answers for themselves. It wow. was, it was very, uh, very intriguing to me. And so after a few months of talking to Jeff, I, I realized I wasn't saved. I needed to be saved. Christ was the only way. And this, this was in January of uh, 1993 when I, I went home one day and I remember kneeling and saying, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I believe that Christ died for me. Save me. And that was the the beginning of the journey, my wow. new life in Christ. Yeah, that that's amazing. Um, I got to ask, Arion, I, I got to take a second to be a little lighthearted. Uh, was it weird that your sister was dating the the American guy? <laughs> It was very weird. Uh, of course, the you know my dad's uh, first impression was maybe he, he works for the CIA. Jeff was a very tall guy for uh, for the Albanian culture, you know, and and uh, I don't know he, he fit the profile, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so my my dad was in the army in the in the during communism, right? Oh, wow. So so he uh, had that kind of a suspicious built into him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a little weird, but uh, oh, Jeff was very kind. You know, he immediately established a great testimony, hmm. and this was you know they first came in. They he was living at the orphanage, and of course helping with that the organization that 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 came in uh, because nobody knew what what Albania was like. It was going to be hostile towards foreigners, or I mean, you know, all that rhetoric for all those decades. So. Uh, it was a, a, a foundation that came in and took over the orphanage, basically, from the government and said, hey, we'll, we'll take care of everything. We'll take care of the food expenses and we'll uh, renovate the building and we'll take care of the orphans. 
And so Jeff came in with that, that team. Uh, and so immediately had a great, uh, you know, testimony about helping out and, mm -hmm. and, and all of that. So it was, it was, it was good. It, mm -hmm. was, it was very good from, from the beginning. Because of the isolation and people feeling betrayed from mm -hmm. communism, there was now a very big curiosity about the West because we understood that we had been lied to. So we were like, okay, what else have we, have we been lied to? So people were very eager to meet foreigners and you couldn't find many in the country. Missionaries were the first ones to come in. So it was, it was very, everybody was interested. Okay, let's, let's talk to these people. Who are, you know, who are they? Let, let them tell us something about the West because still there's no internet, you know, no cable TV and all that. Sure. So still you, you couldn't really get much information what's going on in the rest of the world. So there, there was a big curiosity and, and, and foreigners were wel welcome. There was no incidents or, or anything at that time. And eager to meet and talk to foreigners. That's, that sounds like a missionary dream. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, things have changed <laughs> sure, you know, sure. Get to later, uh, 30 years later. Yeah. But at that time, yes, that's, that's very, mm -hmm. very common. And I, we, would, we would go knocking on doors and mm -hmm. they would always welcome come on in. You, you couldn't let a foreign just, you know, be by your door. Just come on in, you know, let's have a drink or something. We always, you know, feed you well or, or something mm -hmm. and talk about the Gospels. That was the, the wow. first wave of evangelism, just going to people's, they were, as soon as they would see a foreigner, like, yeah, come on in, tell us something. Wow, that's awesome. And so, you know, long story short, but, you know, Jeff, you know, evangelizes disciples, you guys plant a church and start a church. Um, you know, so fast forward a few years, what led to your desire to be trained in ministry and ultimately, you know, the pastorate? Um, Jeff instilled, he discipled me. He was, I was one of his first disciples. So he discipled me and he instilled in me the uh, love for God's word. And, you know, if you have to go to the Bible and find out for yourself, that was, that was the thing. And so, you know, in the first year, I'll just read once once a month through the Bible, 40 chapters a day, because I, I didn't know anything, you know? So it was very eager to learn, you know? Uh, and I started working with kids because Jeff was doing everything. There was nobody to do to do anything. Yeah. Jeff did the music, yeah. the worship, he did the preaching, he did the welcoming, everything was, it was him. So one of the first needs was, well, we got all these kids, the orphan kids. Uh, and so we would have a separate service. We would do the worship together and then we'd have a separate service for the kids. So I had, I had to go and, and, and teach. And I, I don't know anything myself. So I was like, man, I, I got to read. I got to read the Bible, know what it says. I can't be teaching these kids. Of course, they didn't know anything. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was very forgiving, the, the level of, of complexity there. But, but at least on my part, I, I had to find out. You know, I, yeah. I had to know the, the Bible. And so that's what led to, to me just getting in the Word and, and uh, studying the Word. And, and then how to study the Bible, this was... There was still no no Bible school. Later on, Jeff uh, started the Bible school at at the church, but even before that, you know, we would do this one on one and mm -hmm. watch preaching videos together, and and uh, you know, he would teach me how to study the Bible and the rules of Bible study and all and all that. So that's that's how it was the the, the first year, the first years, and it was it was only normal for for me to take on more more responsibility and you know, started working with the youth later on and and kids and. And all of that. So it was, it was just a normal progression of any Christian growing in the Lord. 
that God opens opportunities for you to serve and you're happy to serve and to, to grow and, and God's using you. And that's, that's how it's been. I, you know, Jeff gave me opportunities early on to, to preach even in the big church, we called it, yeah. uh, besides the kids. And, and so that's where I discovered that, okay, I think I, th- I, think I have a gift mm-hmm. to clean the Bible and, and teach the Bible. And uh, uh, with those opportunities, then, you know, it was, it was, it was normal for us, for me to grow and, and take more responsibilities and uh, serve in any capacity that I was asked to. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. And and then later in life, uh, you spent you spent a significant amount of time in the states, not not just a year or two. So you you went to a college in the states, right? And then worked there for a while. Yes. So yes, uh, I will, 1998 was uh, I moved to Alabama, went to college there, and uh, I, I had some health problems that I, I had to stay over for uh, for them to decide what they're, they're going to do. And I still do. Uh, but, uh, so that was, that was the, the reasoning for staying longer than, than I wanted to, or we wanted to, my wife and I, um, but, but we were part of a church plant then. And so, you know, the Lord used us there as, as well. It was, it was a very, very fruitful time. That's awesome. So did, uh, did you know English as well? before going to the States or, or did staying in the States that long really in- increase your knowledge of the language? Because you're, I mean, beyond fluent. I mean, it, it advanced in, in English. I mean, it, I'm sure just as much as you are in Albanian. It's, it's both. I, I, I knew, I knew some English before uh, meeting Jeff and, and other Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, you know, working with them every day, of course they, they didn't speak Albanian. So uh, it was my introduction to uh, the spoken English or American English. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so when I, I went to the States, you, you know, I was, I was already pretty good at English. But okay. of course, living there, it, it made a difference sure. you know, as well. Yeah. And so I, it will kind of transition to this topic a little bit here. I think this would be a nice little segue. Now, you mentioned this is one of my favorite stories. You kind of threw this in without spending much time on it. But when you were first learning the Bible, you read the Bible once a month for an entire year. Right. I mean, you can't say it right, man. I mean, nobody does that. I mean, that, that's amazing yeah. to me just to see how, like, you just desired to know God's word that much. Well, one time I read it in 14 days and once in 12 days. Oh, my god. That's 100 gosh. chapters a day, you know, eight and nine hours a day, 10 hours a day. But it was a, it was a period of time where uh, I had no kids. I had no, <laughs> no other job. <laughs> I was living with my parents. So, it, you know, the conditions were there for, for, for me to do that. You know, wow. I, I don't, I don't want to sound spiritual by any, by any stretch of imagination. It was, it was a time when I had the luxury to do that. Let's put it that way. And I had a desire to, I had a desire to, it wasn't mm-hmm. imposed. It wasn't, you know, a race, but it, it was a desire to know what, what, what was happening. And one one of the things, one of the first things we we, we would do after we we um, after I got saved is that we would go out every Saturday. We had evangelism. We got in the streets and talked to people, share the gospel. And it was a time when people would take a track, and people would stop and talk for hours. Wow! I mean, you could you could stop someone and they would stay for one, two, three hours just just talking about the gospel, hmm. and they would they would hear you. And so 
there was a specific episode. One day I, I went out on a Saturday and I, I was talking to this guy. He was a Muslim. He had just returned uh, from Yemen, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. He had studied there for a couple of years, uh, a Muslim school. And I had, my, I had the Bible in my hand and uh, he said, that Bible has contradictions. I said, no, there's, there's no contradictions in the Bible. And he opened it up and showed me some contradictions. <laughs> Whoa. I, I had no clue how to answer those things. Now, he had, he had been trained in that, right? Of course. He had been trained how to find contradictions in the Bible. Here they are. And he knew them. And he took my Bible and showed me what, I, what he thought were contradictions, of mm -hmm. course. But I, I, didn't, I didn't have an answer. I didn't know how to explain those. And, you know, one of them was the genealogy of, of Christ, you oh. know, the Matthew versus, versus Luke. But again, I didn't have enough knowledge to, to, to know how to answer it. And so I made this deal with the Lord. I said, you know, I'm not going out there until I, I learn my Bible because I don't know those, those answers. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was also part of the reason why, you know, I, I wanted to dig in and just, just find out for myself, what, what does the Bible say? You know, and, and, and learn it. I, I wanted to be like Jeff. I wanted to, mm -hmm. anything that somebody would say, uh, you know, what do you think about this? I, I wanted to be able to open the Bible and say, here's what God says about this. It doesn't matter what I think. Here's what God says. And I wanted that. I wanted to be able to grow in the Lord so I could, anything in life, okay, here's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the, the motivation behind that. But it was a time when I had the luxury to do that. I, I can't do that today. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Well, so that, you know, kids, if you're out there listening and you want to read the Bible through in 14 days, 100 chapters a day, and what did you say a month was? Uh, 40 chapters? Uh, 40 chapters. Yeah. Wow. So Cause it's eight, 1189. So it's almost 1200 chapters in the Bible. <laughs> so there you so go. You, Take the very own challenge and read your Bible in one month. <laughs> if you're an unemployed college kid. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. And so I, the reason I kind of wanted to go into that was because what I want to talk about next, um, were you reading an English Bible at that time or was there an Albanian Bible? I was reading both because I was, uh, he, the Albanian Bible had just been translated. It was mm. fresh off the market. So it was uh, uh, a Swiss group that came in and, uh, you know, they took it upon them to, to translate the Bible. This was before they, before I got saved. Mm -hmm. 1993, uh, this, this is when the, the, the first Bible was, was published. And so I would, I would read that and I would read it in English because uh, my studying was was in English. And there was I didn't have a computer back then, uh, but I had this, this concordance that mm -hmm. I, I got a hold of. I bought it from a from a missionary, and so I'll just study the words in English because of the consistency of the translation. And so you know, if, if I was interested in a particular word, then I would go to the concordance and find all the references and and then see what my Albanian Bible said if if it matched. <laughs> <laughs> What uh, what the King James uh, said, and so that was that was my 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 approach. Because it, reading that, and studying. that Albanian translation was, like you said, just very new. So there there wasn't a translation of the f entire Bible during communism in Albanian. Not during the communism. There was a translation before communism. This was in late eighteen uh, hundreds. Someone who was who had had been saved through the um, influence of the London Bible Society, 
and uh, he was very, very knowledgeable in languages. He studied in Greece. He spoke six or seven languages. He was very, uh, a key man that God used to bring the uh, alphabet, the, the first ABC, the dictionary. And so he translated the New Testament in, in Albanian. Um, but he was not able to finish the Old Testament. And the Albanian language has changed somewhat since then. It's not unreadable, totally unreadable, but it's very difficult for someone to pick up that Bible today. So it was, it was uh, necessary for someone to print, to translate the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, what, that's what they did. Now, it was done in haste, to be honest, because, mm -hmm. you know, people needed a Bible. And, and so they, they did an excellent job with the conditions that they worked in to bring something in the, in the language and into people's hands so people could start reading in Albanian. So it was, but it was a work that was done with the understanding that later on it would need to be revised, mm. right? Because there was, there was one, of, one of the things that was, that was strange, uh, you know, to, to grasp for us is that there was a void of, "Quote unquote religious words or religious dictionary." That's interesting because during because during communism, because people didn't you know talk about Bible or, or Bible things, it was difficult for them to translate some words because the translators had no had no understanding. The Albanian translators I'm talking about mm -hmm. had no understanding of of doctrine whatsoever. Right? Mm -hmm. There were, some of them were newly saved believers, but that was that was the extent of it. And so there was a void of, of biblical words. Wow. And, and, and so it was done, the translation, they did, they did a great job for the conditions that they worked in and considering the, the time uh, to bring something with, for immediately for people to read with the understanding that they would, a few years later they would need to revise that, which is what happened, by the way. So what's the Bible situation today in Albania? You know, I'm, I, I think there's more than one translation at the moment. Yes, there. Are, so the, the 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 Catholic Church has, they have their own translation, mm. uh, and it comes from the Alexandrian text. Mm. The text that that we use, the translation we use, it, it was translated from um, the Nova Diodati, the New Diodati in in uh, Italian, which comes from which the Texas text. receptors. Yeah, yeah received text. Uh, it was they they state that it was compared with the the King James, and. Uh, maybe other uh, Textus Receptus uh, Bibles. Um, there's also a new Bible that had just come out uh, in the last two months, oh. which is, yes, uh, it's again from the, unfortunately, from the long, from the wrong line of manuscripts, but it's making big waves among the evangelical communities and, and evangelical churches in Albania uh, because there isn't much knowledge or understanding of scriptures, uh, the manuscript evidence. And so some of the people that were driving this translation, they, they wouldn't be using uh, the King James Bible, for instance. Sure. They would be using different uh, other Bibles in English. And so that's what you know they did for, for the Albanian language. And so it seems like that's going to uh, have some ground with evangelical churches in, in Albania. And, uh, you know, without getting into the, 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 the details of it, it, very, very quickly, we are having now the same 
conversations that you guys have had with your Bibles in your culture for years and years. And so I never thought that we would come to this day, but here we are today after 30 years of, of Albanian Christianity, after communism, that we find ourselves in, not with 150 translations, but, but there, are, there are four or five translations. There was one that was uh, started in the early 2000s. It was, never, it was never finished. Only the New Testament was finished. The translator died before he could finish the Old Testament. Um, and so there's, there's other, other sources uh, there, which of course bring confusion when things don't uh, don't line up, when they don't compare the same, because here there's also a strong culture of of uh, Muslims, mm. and so you don't want to debate with them about uh, why do you have all these different versions and they say different things. Mm. You know how do you how do you explain that to, to to them? You know, so that's that's the landscape of uh, where we are now. Yeah. So that that leads me to this: your your uh, your wife and yourself have. Uh, um, a new project that, that God has brought you to that's uh, a lot of people back in the States are very excited about, myself included. Um, can you explain what that is? Okay, let, let's, I'll do it simply like this because I just want to let you talk. What is the new project? What is the need for it? And, and how did that come about You know, in Albania? Um, because I, I believe there's been a, a lot of conversation between you and the other pastors uh, there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in, in the early days when the first Bible was published, uh, Jeff was very much involved in meeting the, the man that was re- mainly responsible for the translation of the Bible in Albanian to help with passages and uh, input, you know, basically from passages or, or verses that were words that were not translated correctly. Mm. And so he was very, very open and we would have been meeting with him, you know, over and over again. And it was very welcoming. Uh, you know, he took them to heart, but then nothing materialized. Hmm. They were not part of the new revision and, and it never happened. Well, he no longer has an interest in the Bible, is doing other things now in, in his life. So he has no interest in doing an update on, on the current Bible that, that we have. And the danger now is that we will not only don't have an accurate of the Bible, there are, there are problems with the, the one that we use. Even though it's from the right line, line of manuscripts, there are still uh, verses where they mix and they take from other manuscripts, from the, from the wrong line mm. of manuscripts. And uh, it's, 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 it's served us well for, for the first years, but we want an accurate translation. The, the Word of God deserves to be accurately translated in, in every language. And so the need is that um, we don't have it. There's nobody else that would do it. And, you know, as, as we're, th- this is something that that our church specifically in Tirana and others that were planted from, from our church or, or like-minded churches, we have prayed and, and wanted this to happen. It just never Happened. No, it didn't materialize. We were hoping that we would do this in partnership with the ones that translated the Bible, but after twenty some years now, that they they just have no interest in in that. So they're pretty much done with with translating or revising that that Bible. So now, with the advent of the new translations coming out and being pushed really hard on on 
evangelical churches that you take on this translation now, uh, we are in a situation where, where not only will we uh, be faced with people using a translation that comes from their own line of manuscripts, but we will face the issue of not having our Bible printed anymore. Because if, if there's only three churches using this Bible anymore, it's not even uh, viable for somebody to continue to print it anymore. So we, mm. we wow. risk even losing what, what we have right now. So the, the need is there to have a, 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 an accurate translation of, of the scriptures. So the project is for us to translate the Bible from uh, the King James, also to com compare it with uh, the old translation that I was talking about from the 1800s, where the New Testament, we still have that. It's an excellent, excellent translation of, of it's an old Albanian, but, but a, a, a very... A very excellent resource. Would it to, be to like have. comparing, like uh, you know, maybe people listening don't even know that the the English Bible had seven revisions. We might call them purifications. Yes. And so, yes. start going all the way back to Wycliffe in the 14th century, I believe. So, would you say that like that that older one from the 1800s would be like using like a Tyndale New Testament or something? To yes. absolutely, absolutely. That's cool. The the comparison absolutely stands. It's just the same. And so our our desire is to to uh, complete this work in in three and a half years, and also along with that to have uh, a website with all the study tools, just like I study when I preach. Uh, have them in Albanian, side by side with the King James and the Christophoridi Bible. This is the old uh, Bible, mm -hmm. and for people to to use it to search. Accurately, just like they do in, in the King James, and you're wow. able to trace the words because individual words is what God uses. Yeah, amen. And yeah. so those are very, very important. And so having that in mind and having a strong foundation in in biblical doctrine, we we believe that it's it is it's the time to do it. It's it it has been needed for many years, uh, but but you know here here we are now, and also have an application for for smartphones. Uh, basically, make it available for free for anyone to to have access to it, and so that's that's what you know we've been we pray about this. We talked to pastors of the different churches, uh, and they're also excited. Uh, so we have we have a large uh, multitude of of counselors in in this work. It's not just us. Of course, we'll be doing most of the work, but uh, all the areas where uh, it's difficult passages, difficult choices of words, words that may, may, may not have a direct equivalent word in, in Albanian or in, in English. You might have seven synonyms, but Albania only has three or four synonyms. And how do we handle these cases? Then we have, you know, a, a group of, of, of people that are knowledgeable in language and the scriptures to help us and counsel us through through mm. through these uh, this process so it's not it's not just two of us yeah. you know it's it's yeah. a, a lot more that are, are behind this and you guys are uniquely gifted to take on such a, a task but i i do also just think it's amazing and and obviously a godly undertaking because the the counsel of of people that you have to uh um to bounce things off of like you said when when you're dealing with certain translations of difficult words and, and you yourself included like pa these are pastors 
These aren't just language philosophers and, you know, you go back to, you know, Westcott and Hort and some of the people who translated, you know, the, the wrong line of English manuscripts and those things. These aren't just random right. linguists. Like, these, these are pastors and people who handle the Word of God trying to use the Spirit of God to translate this. I, I think that's uh, not just amazing but honorable. Yes, and, and, it's, and it's crucial that, that someone has a very strong foundation in biblical doctrine mm -hmm. to be able to do this work. The, the, the linguistics is one side, of course, is very important. But, but uh, you know, the, one of the things we noticed in the first translation and, and the revision afterwards was that synonyms were used for, for specific words. You know, if you say night, then they would say dark or evening, or they'll use synonyms for that word which made it very difficult for you if you were studying and you wanted to trace the words, how God had used them consistently from the Old Testament to New Testament, it made it impossible for you to trace those words because the translators thought, well, these, these are similar words. They're synonyms. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't, you're not losing anything, but you are losing. You're losing the cross references. You're, you're, exactly. You're using, you're losing the way God used that word and consistently preserved that word. So you could follow that. And, and learn something from that. Yeah. So a, a, a strong foundation of biblical teaching is very important because you need to understand that if you don't translate it this way and use a very synonym, you may not, from the language aspect, you may not lose anything. But from the doctrinal aspect, you may lose something. Wow. So that's why that's, that's crucial. Yeah, that's awesome. And you, so you guys are not just working, well, you are working on a, a new translation, a revision, um, th that will be accurate, but you're also, like you said, working on uh, tools and resources for that same. So you're working on uh, digital tools, and I, I mean, are you writing a concordance from scratch, or or is are is there stuff already available that you can begin with? No, this 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 will be a, a fresh translation. This wow. will not be a revision of the existing ones. Oh, we don't okay. have the copyright. We don't have the copyright for uh, for the existing Bible. I see, and. It, and it's also better to do it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, our approach will be this. We will uh, first identify all the unique words in, in the scriptures. I think there's like 13,000, if you don't count the names of people and, and, and places mm -hmm. in the King James. We will first translate all the words, every individual word. And then um, the, that will give us a dictionary mm -hmm. and a concordance. So the tools will then be able to trace and search and, and all that. Albanian uh, language, just like Hungarian, has inflections in the words. So it's, it's, uh, it's not so easy to just search for a word because it may have different variations of, of that word. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a programmer too. So I've, I've, uh, my background in programming uh, has enabled me to be able to do the work <laughs> as far as building the right tools. I, I know what, what needs to happen for the searches to, to be accurate and, and, and complete. So it, it's better to do it this way because once you identify the words, it's, it takes more time in the beginning to, to have this approach because you're not translating the first verses. You're not yeah, starting. You're not just starting Genesis 1-1 and, and going. Right. But, but if you start in Genesis 1-1 and you start translating, what you'll do is you will be repeating mm -hmm. the same words over and over again. How did I translate this in Genesis? 
Now I'm in Chronicles, but how do you know? So you're 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 wasting time going back and forth. Yeah. Why don't why don't we do this in the very beginning when we translate the words from the, from from the very beginning, assign their 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 meaning. We know where they are, so we can build the dictionary. We can build the concordance, and then from there you start translating. When when you start translating, there will be very little effort in into how do we translate this mm. because you already have the definitions of the words. Now it may take some time because some you know sometimes for a- aspect of context that word may not be translated the, the 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 same way. But this is this is the minority. The majority of the words you just have the you have the meaning. Here's how you translate it because you that's what you've done in the beginning. So you're, you're saving yourself time in the long run if you do this work uh, in the beginning. But this also enables you to build tools around everything because this will be in a database and it'll be searchable and and uh, comparable wow that that's amazing I, I that's incredibly interesting um what I, so we're, we're getting ready to wrap up here in the next few minutes but what what do you need to complete this you say your goal is three and a half years um i believe you guys are coming back to the states uh to enable you to do that right what what do you actually need to be able to complete this work well, prayers for for one. <laughs> yeah, <Amen>. <laughs> uh, we we both have have physical limitations and, and physical issues, so you know uh, prayers are 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 definitely definitely needed. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you as soon as we announce that we're doing this, I mean the devil has been hitting yeah. from every every angle he can. Sure, and sure. Uh, you, you know. We're, we're we're determined to do to do this. So, you know, if if anybody listening, if you just keep us in your prayers, we would we would definitely appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way if if people are hearing this and maybe they're in our fellowship of churches um, back in the states, um, if they want to contribute or just find out more about it, is 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 there at this stage? Is there anything or anywhere they can go to to get more information, or do they just need to stay posted and more will be coming soon? Um, probably both. Uh, of course, Jeff, Jeff is leading the effort for for support and and uh, uh, in any direction. Uh, so, uh, anyone interested in that, they, they can contact Jeff if they're part of the Fellowship of Churches. Okay. They, they would know this. Uh, so, we we officially begin in September. So, we won't have anything new until until then. But September first is is our target date to okay. begin. So more information will be coming. So more information to come. And if you guys uh, want to contribute or find out more about how you can help in any way, uh, you can contact Jeff through First Baptist Church in New Philly, Ohio. Awesome. Uh, Arion, before you go, by the way, just thank you for being here. This has been such an interesting episode already. Um, I've been trying to ask all the missionaries this. It's kind of out of left field as as for our conversation today. Um but but I want to ask it anyway, um, because I, I have a feeling that um, it, it might affect, you know, how you guys are going about your work right now. With the world events of the pandemic over the last year or two and, and COVID and, you know, any person who who believes the Bible literally and is and is reading and trying to rightly divide sees things happening in our world today that seems to reflect that our times uh, may be short before the Lord comes back. Um, you know, I'm not inferring a date or anything, but it, it you know, it, it really sure. does seem like things are coming down the pipe, so to speak. Um, yes. 
Have these world events affected uh, your urgency, uh, your strategy and ministry, you know, maybe even regarding this project or, or even just your walk with God in any way? Um, first of all, I, you know, I, I've had a few people say that, uh, you know, why, why are you taking this on? Because the, the Lord will be back before you're three and a half years. I believe that too. I believe the, the, the Lord may return at, 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 at any time. And, and I think his coming is, is very soon. I, I, I would be thrilled to have the Lord find me doing this work. I don't think Amen. the Lord is, is looking down saying, hey, why you you know I'm coming soon. Why are you doing this? You know, <laughs> I, I want to be faithful doing what I his timing is his timing. I'm I'm not worried about that. You know, I need I need to be ready and busy doing what what I need to be doing. Yeah. And, and so that's that's our approach to this. But do I think that his coming is soon? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I, I think the world, as as we understand the scriptures, is coming to the place where the man of sin for the man of sin to be revealed mm -hmm. and the one world government to be revealed under his control. I think the, the events of last year and this year have shown us that in an unprecedented way, the world governments exercise control, you know, of course, for the right reason to help the population, oh, of, of course, course. That's, that's always their, their, their control, but in an unprecedented way to be able to restrict people's movement and people's gathering in churches and, and freely worship and people's uh, ability to travel. I, th I think, you know, they would have, they wouldn't, wouldn't have dreamed of such a situation coming in, in, into their, into their lab. So I, I think this is just a picture, whether it happens this way or a different way. I think the advent of the rapture itself will be, the number one thing that, that will force governments to, to come under one world government because nobody will accept that this was the rapture. You know, the false preachers will still continue to preach on TV and they'll interview all of them and say, no, we're, we're still here. This wasn't the rapture. <laughs> so, you know, but, but I, I think it, it's becoming very clear now that the world is ready to accept yeah. under, you know, the... Uh, under the pretext of for our safety and, and this and that to accept a one world government that will limit all, all their God-given freedoms. Mm -hmm. They're not government-given freedoms, but God-given freedoms and accept the, the man of sin. So yes, uh, you know, for the few months that we were unable to even leave the house, our, our, our ministry changed the way we couldn't meet mm -hmm. in person. You know, so, so that of course affected you know, the church yeah. is a body. If you can't be, you know, with, with a body, we can't say it has not affected the, the, the church. But on other, on other aspects, it made us reflect of where we are and, and what are we doing and how, how, do we, uh, how, how do we handle uh, situations where we're totally unprepared for. Nobody was prepared for this. And so I think God is doing, that's one of the, many questions that were, that were asked uh, over and over again. What is God doing in this pandemic? And so what God is doing is what he said he would be doing, hmm. which is the world is coming to a, to a place where they would accept the one world government under the leadership of the Antichrist. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's moving all, all, all the pieces in place so that happens. Mm -hmm. And so even though we may uh, 
suffer, quote unquote, for, you know, for certain things because of what's happening in, in the world. This isn't about us. This is what God is doing at this time. And we are in transition. The church age is coming to an end and the tribulation will, will, will start. And so that's, that's how we're viewing this as a church, as, as ministry, when we, we don't have much time left. So we need to be faithful in whatever God has called us to do. Amen. That's awesome. Because you're absolutely right. Whatever God has called you to do, if the Lord's coming soon, which it seems like he is, all you could possibly want is for him to find you doing what he asked you to do. That's all Amen. I want. Um, yeah. It's yeah. even kind of shifted my focus area on even practically where two years ago um, when we're heading to the field, you know, I would have had different goals and dreams and aspirations um, for getting to the field and planning a church and I, not unbiblical, but just different. Whereas now yeah. it's like, Lord, I just, I just want you to find me doing what you asked me to do. It doesn't matter if I only discipled one guy or I just barely learned the language enough to converse and share the gospel. I just, I just yeah. want you to find me o- obedient. Amen. So man, Arion, I, I would love to do a whole nother hour with you just about the end times here, but uh, our time is up and, and I thank you. So maybe that's a good teaser and we can have another conversation again someday just about the end times, or maybe that's a better theology roundtable episode. Um, uh, thank you so much again, Arion, for joining me. That, that was a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin. Well, there you go, man. I, I, I hope you guys found that as interesting as I did. I love listening to Arion talk and preach. He's just such a smart guy and just such a faithful man of God. And to hear what God did in his life, um, you know, through the fall of communism and, and bringing him the gospel and how he was just an honestly seeking man who was seeking God and seeking the truth. Um, that is just such a good testimony of how God is going to get his specific revelation to anyone out there who is sincerely seeking truth and responds correctly to his general revelation. Um, man, just such an amazing story. And then to hear what he and his wife are undertaking to help continue um, the, the Bible translation process in their language in Albania um, is just a, such an amazing thing. And so um, this this project is still in its embryonic phase and, and they are beginning in September and they um, are moving back during the summer to, to America to get settled and to get things going so that they can start this endeavor, um, in September. And so, um, yeah, if you guys want more information, just stay tuned, stay posted. Um, but if you're wanting to contribute in any way, um, and even financially, because this, you know, Arion was too humble to say this, but this is, this project is going to take, um, some funds and some finances. And, and I know that, that my sending church and other churches are already on board to help with that. But if that's something that God lays on your heart and you want to help with, let me just say on behalf of Arion that, uh, Pray about that, and and you can, um, I'm sure, reach out to First Baptist Church of New Philly or Jeff Bartell, and uh, and God would be able to use those funds mightily to help to continue to refine uh, His Word in that country and in that language. So I hope you guys learned something. And even at the very end, man, I would have loved to have an entire other episode with Arion talking about the end times. And uh, that was so good. So I, I think that was just such a good thing and a good reminder to end this episode with, regardless of where you're at and what God has you doing, God is coming back soon, y'all. 
We need to be ready and we need to be just doing what he's asked us to do. Don't you want to be found when, when Christ comes back to gather his bride and to take her home? Don't you want to just be found obedient in doing what he asked you to do? Like in the parable of the pounds where he gives the, the, the pounds to his servants in, in Luke. Um, I can't remember the chapter off the top of my head, but he gives the, the pounds to his servants. And then they're each given this this uh, this money to to be a steward of, and some were good stewards, and and they were found to be good stewards, and then there were there was another that was not. You want to be found obedient, being a good steward of what God asked you to do, so that you can look Him in the eye at the judgment seat, if that is such a thing that will happen, and just say, God, I I did what you asked me to do. That's what I want. I'm sure that's what you want as well, and that's certainly what Arion and his family are trying to do too. So uh, thank you for joining us this week. I hope that you'll join us again next week for another episode of Missionary Roundtable. Until then, God bless, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.